It is good to be here this morning. I hope and pray all is well with you. Thank you for being here. We are going to spend the next couple of hours together as family, remembering our great God in heaven. We are going to partake of the Lord's Supper to remember the great sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here. May God bless each and every one of you. I know we have visitors here with us as well. And if you happen to have any Bible questions, please let us know. We're going to conclude this morning at 940. We'll take about a 10-minute break, and then we'll uh, begin our Bible classes. We have the Gospel of Mark here in the auditorium, and we're studying one another passages in classroom number one. So we have two adult classes and also classes for all of our young people here as well in the back. Well, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, there is a great deal of fascination And when it comes to certain subjects in the Word of God, I'm sure you have had conversations with someone in the past, or maybe even right now, or maybe there are certain topics that really fascinate you, where you really want to learn as much as you can and dive into them even more. Sometimes you even have a lot of questions about them. Going through our Genesis study in uh, Genesis chapter 6, the Nephilim, that is a popular question. Who were the Nephilim? What's going on with the Nephilim in Genesis chapter 6? What about angels and demons that we read about all throughout, angels in particular, throughout the Old and the New, but in particular the demons in the New Testament? There's lots of questions that people have. People also have lots of questions with respect to the Holy Spirit. People have lots of questions and thoughts and ideas with respect to the Holy Spirit. And I have a lot of questions about the Holy Spirit as well. I don't think it stops just at the Holy Spirit. When you think about the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of times there are many questions that people have. My Bible is open to Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bible, open it up, please, to Ephesians chapter 3. And as you're turning there, I want to say this, that our Father in heaven, God has given us concrete revelation about who he is and his will for us through his word. That's what we're reminded of in Ephesians chapter 3 as Paul was writing to the saints in Ephesus. In chapter 3, beginning in verse number 3, Paul spoke about the revelation that he received, the revelation that the apostles and the prophets received, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. In verse number 6, Paul would discuss or explain that mystery that he was talking about in verse number 3. What I want you to take note of here is that Paul spoke about the revelation that he received, that we can know God's will for us, that Paul received this revelation, he wrote it down so that people could read it, so that people could understand uh, about God and what he had been given uh, by the Holy Spirit. And so we do have concrete revelation. We can know who God is. We can know what his will for us is. We can know how to worship him. We can know how to be pleasing to him. Yet, there are some things that that we may not always understand or know. In Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29, a, a passage that I think is a good reminder for us when we think about God. In Deuteronomy 29 and verse number 29, the Bible says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us. 
and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. I think that's a great passage for us to, to think about. What God has revealed, we need to really dive into. We really, we really need to know and we need to study. We need to constantly study to draw closer in our relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. While much is often said about the Father and the Son, sometimes we can ignore or sometimes people can ignore, ignore the Holy Spirit. But he is a part of the Godhead. And this week I was thinking about a sermon that I preached back in August, August 11, 2019. You remember what it was, right? Okay, good, yeah. All right, so that sermon that I preached back in August 11th, on August 11, 2019, was a sermon on the Holy Spirit. And what I did, I kind of took a macro approach, and let's see if the slide is working here. If it's not, you guys can just transition it for me. I took a macro approach really looking at the Holy Spirit. And we talked about the nature of the Holy Spirit. We talked about how the Spirit guided the apostles in all truth. Then at the end, we talked a little bit about what is the Holy Spirit doing today? I think many times this is where a lot of questions arise. What about now? What about today? What's the Holy Spirit doing? And so we address some of these thoughts here. And just going back and and looking at this sermon and continuing to study the Holy Spirit, I'm doing some more study on the Holy Spirit right now. There's some other thoughts I think we could even address as well. But we talked about how the Spirit continues to convict the hearts of men through His Word. How the Spirit intercedes for us in heaven in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26, verse number 27. And even with respect to the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promised gift of salvation. Uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. How that gift is still available for, for everyone. And so we spent some time looking at that and talking about the Holy Spirit. And I began to think about, as I was considering some of the things that he's still doing today and the work that he's doing, in in particular with convicting men and women through his word, convicting the hearts of men, I began to think about, next slide, I began to think about, do we appreciate the work of the Holy Spirit? Do we appreciate what he does? Do we appreciate the work that he does even today? Now, while we may have many questions that are not answered in the scriptures, There are things that are clear about the Holy Spirit. And so I began to think about the points that I made and how important it is for us not only to to know the points, but to to appreciate the Holy Spirit and the work that he does and to know the work that we have to do as well. One of the reasons why I say that is because when you think about John chapter 16, where you turn over there in John chapter 16, In John chapter 16, when you think about what Jesus told the apostles in John chapter 16, so much of the work that the Holy Spirit did in the first century, and I believe is still taking place today through his word with respect to convicting the hearts of men, that's what we find. It's connected with respect to evangelism. So I want to consider a couple of thoughts with you. If you want to move the slide for me, I would appreciate it. The Holy Spirit continues to convict the hearts of men through his word. And that's what we read about in John 16. Here we find Jesus speaking to his apostles, uh, beginning in chapter 13 through 17. And I want you to notice what he said here, beginning in verse 7. He said, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The helper that he was talking about is the Holy Spirit. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. 
I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. So as Jesus was speaking to the apostles, what we find here is that they would, they would be guided by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would convict men in the first century through the teaching of the Word of God through the apostles. And that's what we find all throughout the Word of God. We want to turn over to the next slide and then turn over to Acts chapter 2. Remember on the day of Pentecost, beginning on Pentecost, what do we find? We find the apostle Peter preaching the Word of God. We find Peter talking about salvation in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 21. It shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he's going to go and he's going to talk about what is required to understand who the Lord is. That Jesus is both Lord and Christ and how to call upon his name. And verse number 40. With many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them saying be saved from this perverse generation. When these men and women heard these words, they were pierced to their heart, according to verse number 37. No doubt, they were convicted by the word of God, by the words of the Spirit. This is what we find in Acts chapter 3 and verses 1 through 6. Remember when Peter and John went to the temple about the ninth hour for prayer, and they're going to heal a man, a miracle is going to be performed, and as a result of this, this is going to promote or give an opportunity for Peter and John to preach the word of God. In verse number 12, when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, he said, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us? He's going to use this opportunity to begin to proclaim Jesus Christ crucified. What we find as you continue on in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 4, it says, But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. How were these individuals being convicted? Through the words, through the teaching of the apostles. That's what we find over and over again. Look over in Acts chapter 5 and verse 42. It wasn't just on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't just in the temple. It was even from house to house that we find individuals continuing to be convicted by the word of God. We find the apostles time and time again proclaiming God's message. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching as the Christ. That Jesus, rather, uh, is the Christ. This is what we find the apostles doing. Why? Because the way that the hearts of men were going to be convicted was going to be through the words of the Holy Spirit, through the word of God that they were proclaiming. In Acts chapter 16, even in prison, even in prison in Acts chapter 16, remember Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, they had been beaten by the jailer and the jailer is going to eventually cry out to them in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 28. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself. For we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What are they going to do next? They're going to proclaim God's word to this man. They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. So it wasn't just him. It was his entire family. How was the spirit? convicting the hearts of men through the teaching and preaching of the word of God. You see that through the teaching and preaching of the word of God. And we see this time and time again. What's interesting. The apostles understood this as well. So did the other Christians. The saints understood this. What we find is that 
other disciples are going to go out and teach and preach God's word. You go back and look at Acts chapter 8 real quickly here. Remember in Acts chapter 8, after persecution arose, after Stephen had been, uh, had been murdered in Acts chapter 7, and what's interesting about that, Stephen told those people in that audience that they were resisting the Holy Spirit. How were they resisting the Holy Spirit? Because they were resisting the very words of Stephen. They were just like their fathers of old who resisted the words of the prophets. And so they were not listening to the Holy Spirit. They were not, they were not obe- being obedient to the words of the Spirit. And so what we find in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, we see Stephen, he's now, he's now killed, and they're going to bury him. And then in verse 3, Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. Therefore, those who have been scattered went about preaching the word. And you go to Acts chapter 11. We find these same individuals mentioned again in Acts chapter 11. They're, they're going out and they are proclaiming the word of God. In Acts chapter 11, I want you to notice in verse number 19, and this is something I think I've overlooked. In verse number 19, it says, So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews alone. I think that's an interesting point, that we come back to these individuals who have been scattered, and we get to see where they went and how far they were able to go. And even though they were only preaching to the Jews, make no mistake about it, they were still preaching the word of God. So I'm saying all of this for a reason. The title of this lesson is called, Do We Appreciate the Work of the Holy Spirit? So as we think about the Spirit even today, and how is he convicting the hearts of men today? How is that happening today? I still believe that it's going to be through the teaching and preaching of his word. That this is how hearts of men, even today, that still has taken place. And so a question for us is, do we appreciate what's still taking place today? What's happening today? And I think this is a powerful thought for us to consider when it comes to evangelism. Uh, many sermons have been done on evangelism. Lord willing, next month, Caleb is going to be here. Caleb Churchill is going to be here. Those are going to be some great lessons. I would encourage you to uh, be here for the morning services uh, and also for the evening services. Caleb is doing great work in uh, the New York area. But how do we view evangelism? Do we see it as, you know, kind of an afterthought? Or, you know, if if I have time to it, I'll kind of think about it. Or do we kind of compartmentalize it with, just kind of put it in a box, okay, we have, we're going to talk about it for this gospel meeting, and then we'll just kind of move on after that. What's our view with this? And I think as we think about how the Spirit convicts the hearts of men, I think this really should change our mindset as well, that how important it is for men and women, obviously, to hear the Word of God. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 6? There's no question that God is at work. When we see individuals and them being obedient to the word of God, we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 6 where Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. As we think about evangelism, sometimes I think we forget about God. God is involved in it as well. And Paul said God was causing the growth. And yet what was just as important, we find Paul and Apollos, they were involved with planting and watering as well. And so as you think about evangelism, Paul and Apollos, they didn't just kind of stand idle and say, okay, God, you just kind of do your thing. They, they went out and they planted seeds and they watered. They shared the word of God. That's what we find time and time again. 
with respect to hearts being convicted through the words of Paul and Apollos and others, but they had to work. Brothers and sisters, we're going to have to do the same thing as well. We're going to have to do the same thing. We're going to have to have that same mindset. No question. The Spirit is still working in the 21st century. That's a question a lot of people have. Is he just not doing anything? Well, I, I don't think that's the case. And so we need to hold on to this. Hearts are still being convicted through the Word of God. We see this time and time again. And so as we understand and appreciate how he works with respect to convicting men of sin and righteousness and judgment, how much more should we be eager to work and to spread his word so more hearts can be convicted through it? That's a game changer for me because we're a part of something that is so big. And I understand that we have to defend the truth concerning the Holy Spirit and what's taught about the Holy Spirit. We certainly don't want to teach false doctrine and we want to be able to answer questions that people have. I want to do another sermon uh, during the 1030 hour called, Are You Full of the Holy Spirit? I want to talk a little bit about that and what that means. And so, yes, we need to be able to defend the truth. But the truth also has to impact us when it comes to moving and when it comes to working. One of the things I often think about because at times, and it's not just for a few people, I think many Christians, we turn over to Acts chapter 8, I think sometimes many Christians can struggle with evangelism. You ever, you ever kind of find yourself struggling with evangelism? It can, it can come in a variety of ways. Maybe it's not even with what you know. It's just your disposition or mindset, or you just feel, you just feel inadequate about it, or you're just not seeing results, or you're not seeing people move the way that you want to. One thought that I had, why didn't God just leave all this up to the angels? The angels are pretty efficient, right, with what they do, right? Why can't, why didn't you just leave it up to them? Well, I don't know. I don't think that's, that's given to us an answer. But what I do know is he has given man this great work to do. And I say that because in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 8, remember in verse 26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. So we see an angel involved in this story. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to, to Gaza. So he's telling them, You get up, because there's a man in verse 27 who is referred to or described as an Ethiopian eunuch. And this man has been worshiping God in Jerusalem. And in verse 28, he says, He was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So think about this you have an angel involved. An angel telling Philip, you go to this location here. Then in verse 29, the Spirit said to Philip. So we see the Spirit's involved. But listen to what he says. Go up and join this chariot. So that's what we see. And then after that, who's going to do the teaching? Who's going to be involved with this man in his life? It's Philip the evangelist. He's going to proclaim to him the word of God. He's going to ask him some questions and help him to see that indeed Isaiah was talking about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. I find that so fascinating and interesting that the angel, you know, could have been just as efficient and probably a lot more could be done even today if the angels just kind of did everything and taught men. But that's not what we see. That's not the design that God has given us. What we find here are men involved sharing God's word with others, convicting the hearts of men with sin or pertaining to sin and righteousness. And so the spirit convicts the hearts of men through his word, and not just for unbelievers, but also think about this, but also for believers, also for us. And I want to ask you this question here. Do we appreciate 
the preaching of God's word? Do we appreciate the preaching of God's word? Do we appreciate studying God's word? Many of God's people in the Old Covenant, they simply did not. Remember my sermon last week about Barnabas in Jeremiah chapter 43? Real quickly, will you just turn over here? Because we're about out of time. In Jeremiah chapter 43, remember Jeremiah had been asked to go to God to get an answer for the people about what they were supposed to do. Jeremiah was a was a prophet of God. And the people said, we want to hear from God. So he goes back and he tells them all the words of the Lord their God. And their response in verse number two is that they call him a liar. He said, they said, you're lying to us. This is not what God has to say. You see, they didn't respect God's word. And I mentioned Acts chapter 7 and verse number 51. As Stephen was preaching, that's what Stephen's telling the audience at that time. You guys are resisting the Holy Spirit. You're resisting the very words of God. How? Because you're not believing the things that I'm telling you. You don't believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Time and time again, God's people often rejected his word. And so a question I think that is good for all of us What is our response to the word of God? Are we still being convicted by the word of God? We often think about just trying to help others understand the truth and convict them. But what about us? We still need to be convicted of the word of God as well. What is our zeal with respect to studying God's word? How interested are we actually listening or interested in listening to the word of God? You see, how we answer those questions, I think, will help us individually to see how much we appreciate the spirit's work. And so that's a big thought I want you to think about. Do we appreciate the work and what the Spirit is even doing today and how he still is able to convict the hearts of men when it comes to teaching and preaching his word? If you want to move over to the second slide or the next point, I got one more thought and we've got a couple more minutes left. And the second thought I really want to share with you as we think about the Holy Spirit is think about this. This is what I talked about in August. One can still receive the gift of the Holy Spirit today. The promised gift of salvation. That's my understanding of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. That's the language that we find in Acts 2 and verse 38. These individuals have been pierced to the heart in verse 37. After hearing the word of God being preached, they ask the question, what shall we do? Peter gives a response. Here's what you do. You repent, every one of you, and you be baptized, every one of you, by the authority of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, And then he said, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They could receive this promised gift of the Holy Spirit. When you turn over one more chapter to Acts chapter 3 and verse 18, remember I said Peter and John were in the temple? He's going to tell them exactly what they needed to do as well. In Acts chapter 3 and verse number 18, he said, I'm sorry, look at verse number 19. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. Doesn't that sound good? Your sins are wiped away. So that your sins are wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 2 and verse 38 and Acts 3 and verse 19 seem to be parallel in nature. How are they to repent and return? By repenting and being baptized. What's the result? Their sins are going to be washed away. Forgiveness of sins. They're going to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. This promised gift of salvation. This time of refreshing. Think about that for a moment. People can still enjoy the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promised gift of salvation, even today. Isn't that what everyone really needs? That's what everybody needs at the end of the day. 
What people need today is hope, true hope. People need times of refreshing. People need to turn to God. People need to have their sins wiped away. How is that going to happen? Well, you and I play a very important role with that. You know that? You really believe that? You should. You and I play a very important role with this. We can't force people what to do, but we can give everyone an opportunity to enjoy and to have this precious gift. It's a game changer for their hearts to be convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment. There are people all around us who are weary and heavy laden. They are tired. It's not because of the time change, all right? They're tired because of sin. That's our problem. That's the issue. Don't miss that. That's what people need to hear. That they can be delivered from the worst problem there is for mankind. And we get to help them in this whole process. No doubt about it. The Spirit, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Yes, they're they're still at work even today. And we have a responsibility to share God's word. Let's do that. And let's appreciate the work that is still taking place today. Let's do our part. That's what we need to do. Let's go to God in prayer. Holy and righteous Father, we are so humbled to be able to approach your throne. We are so grateful that we have this family here. We're so thankful for your word, the revelation that has been recorded by the apostles and the prophets. We are thankful, Father, that we can search and that we can seek after you, that we can know your will. We are thankful that we know that you are always in control, that you have given us a great work to do, to go and make disciples. This week, help us to remember that, to look for opportunities to make disciples, to share the good news to those who are weary and heavy laden, and how Jesus indeed can give them rest. Help us, Father, to allow our hearts to continue to be pricked by your word and to be receptive to the teaching and preaching of the good news of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Be with us at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll begin class at 9.50.